Hi, this is Ananda, President of the Hare Krishna Community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. So, um, Adi Purushravu is a, uh, a monk, a traveling preacher in our ISKCON movement. He's been practicing Krishna Bhakti for the past 30 years. He's a disciple of uh, His Holiness Gopal Krishna Maharaj. And uh, he's from Ukraine, or joined in Ukraine. Um, and he has done services uh, very much connected to books and studies. For many years he was distributing the books, sharing the books with people. Uh, he was a member of the BBT, which is the ISKCON publishing wing, Bhaktivedanta Book Trust. And he has translated parts, uh, that translated the Chaitanya Charitamrita, parts of the Srimad Bhagavatam, and other devotional works. And in 1999, so that's almost 20 years ago, right, moved to Vrindavan, and there he lives, and he studied deeply and um, teaches at the Vrindavan Institute for Higher Education. And he's also a member of the Shastrik uh, Scripture Advisory Board. So we are absolutely delighted to have Adi Purushpu here for um, the first time in a long time or ever. 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 Great. And we're really happy. We weren't planning to have a talk today because we were going to put you all to service and help us recover from the festival. But good news, it's raining and we can't go outside. <laughs> and we have a wonderful guest to, to nourish us. <clears throat> Hare Krishna. Holy moly. <laughs> Ask a monk anything. It was quite an experience yesterday. <clears throat> probably the best way to, to learn <coughs> the people, to, to see the, uh, who, are, who are the people. Also, maybe I'll ask before, I'll, I'll ask something, uh, you, before we begin. Uh, is there somebody who is, uh, for the first time, on a Hare Krishna program or on any lecture connected to Krishna, Krishna consciousness? We have somebody? Okay, Hare Krishna. Welcome. Thank you for coming. Were you here yesterday for the Festival of Colors? I was here one day before. Okay. Okay. Welcome. Welcome. <clears throat> I was almost uh, uncolored yesterday until two mischievous girls came. <laughs> little girls. <clears throat> and then to them I said, okay, in Varshana, if you go to Varshana, nowadays, you know, they do it a very gentle way. Holy hair, holy hair, and just you know, a little bit on the cheek. So I said, okay, do it here, you know. So one of them, they did like this. She did like this. She put it on the on the on the, on the cheek. The other one didn't. She just <laughs> dumped like half the packet of the red dye on my head. And uh, I was okay with that, you know. I I, <clears throat> I live in Vrindavan. I've seen everything. But for some reason, people stopped coming and asking questions. <laughs> I was satisfied. I was satisfied. <laughs> but then I went to the <clears throat> saw myself in the mirror and I saw I look like you know half my head is cut off. <laughs> so then I, you know, uh, wiped it off and again people started coming asking questions. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> it's a wonderful uh, program and wonderful community. <clears throat> Before. Our talks, we usually also chant one mantra, famous mantra, <clears throat> to uh, offer our hearts to the transcendental purpose. <clears throat> Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya We must be satisfied. If I say nothing else, at least <laughs> the main thing <clears throat> has been uh, declared. <clears throat> so, 
oftentimes <clears throat> we think of satisfaction as something that happens to us. That uh, you get enough of something, you get something nice, and then you are satisfied. So in other words, it uh, becomes something that comes from outside. Something that comes from somebody or something outside of us. <clears throat> but uh, we can see that in India and probably in general, in uh, <clears throat> Orient, there's a different approach to uh, satisfaction. I remember when I came to India in 95, I was uh, very attracted to India. <clears throat> of course, I was prepared, I was initiated, I had a <clears throat> our translation uh, <clears throat> coordinator who came from India in 1993, I think, yes, 1993, and uh, <clears throat> his name is uh, Vyasadev. So he, uh, I think his guru gave him this name because he was connected with the books and translations, so Vyasadev is the editor of the Vedas. <clears throat> So he saw me, he embraced me, and he said, Adi, beg, borrow, or steal, but go to India. <laughs> then he stopped for a moment, and he said, with the blessings of the GBC <laughs> and temple authorities. <clears throat> so I could see he's definitely in ecstasy. As, uh, in fact, he's one of the most famous hippies in, uh, <clears throat> in Ukraine, if... Uh, people who know him, he was he's there from the very early days. So for uh, years afterwards, he was almost dreaming about India. He, he, would, he would say, I, I want to be in India. I want to live in India. India is so good. And then he would explain why it's good. And because oftentimes we go there, we get a culture shock. We don't understand what's happening. <clears throat> Unless you are prepared or initiated into the Indian experience. Yes. So I was lucky. In fact, what happened, our whole Ukrainian uh, BBT line, about nine people, ended up living in India. Some live in uh, Vrindavan, at Govardhan, in Mayapur, so about nine people, except him. I don't know, somehow he probably spent all the blessings. <laughs> he gave all the taste. <clears throat> So what, I can't, I, I can't hide behind the microphone? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yes, so, um, and then, then finally, somehow or other, it was Krishna arranged in such a way, I, I, I felt that Vrindavan is like my home. I felt it was magic every moment. Every moment was total magic. I can, I, can, I can tell you many things about Vrindavan. Somehow Vrindavan was such a special experience. I felt this is where I want to be. But, you know, being a brahmachari, you know, I was following my temple authorities. But somehow or other, just some years later, three or four years later, uh, <clears throat> our BBT center was being um, reformatted, disbanded, and then everybody was asked, where do you want to go? Somebody said, you know, I want to go to the BBT in Sweden. Somebody said, I want to go to my home city. I said, can I go to Vrindavan? Okay, you go. So here's the computer. Here's a big wad of cash. Go. So got blessings of the blessings of my temple authorities, <coughs> the GBC, <laughs> according to my <coughs> um, editor, coordinator. And then I remember it was very, very impressive because in India I could see that people are smiling. This was something that you notice a lot, that people are smiling in India. I think something happened a few years. I don't, I, I, I don't think I can pinpoint, pinpoint the exact year when it happened that people... First, the smile became uh, smaller. The degree, you know, it was instead of eight millimeters, it became first like five, four, three, and now they don't smile. Did you notice? Yeah. Now in the West people smile. Because they study yoga, they study you know, satisfaction. So <clears throat> I'm trying to figure out what's the exact reason. Is it, is it the TV? Uh, is it the advertisement? Is it, I don't know what, it, what exactly it is, but 
this is something very attractive that attracted me very much in India, that people are happy. Everybody is happy. You, know, you ride in a, in a train, and there is a guy in a gamcha with a big uh, tea cat teapot, and chai, chai, and it's, it was one or two rupees. And you can see he's completely happy, completely satisfied. He's completely satisfied. Obviously, he's not a very rich millionaire. You can see by the holes in his gamcha. <clears throat> that it's not as, although nowadays the jeans with holes are more expensive than the ones. <laughs> but that was before, before. <clears throat> and he's happy. You can see, genuinely, he exudes happiness. So you can see the poor people are satisfied and happy, and rich, rich people are happy. So only later I could find something in <clears throat> Patanjali Yoga Sutra, that happiness is a blessing that comes from practicing one of the uh, rules of yoga, which is satisfaction. You will be uh, happy or unhappy to learn that satisfaction is one of the five rules of yoga. It's not, uh, you know, it's not uh, optional. <laughs> it's not that you like or don't like. You must be satisfied. Which I especially like to say in German-speaking countries. They have a you know, sense of duty. So you say, das ist ihr Pflicht. It's your duty. And when you hear this word, word duty, I think we are in the capital. Isn't it? And, 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 I, and I think we have uh, a lot of uh, rules here, don't we? So you can say it's the rule. <laughs> you must be satisfied. It's the rule <laughs> in yoga. <clears throat> if you're not satisfied, you're not following the, the uh, very uh, introductory rules of yoga. <clears throat> so satisfaction. This is something that's discussed a lot in the Bhagavad Gita, and um, probably it, it is something that we would like also to have, right? To have satisfaction. <clears throat> okay. Yes. So in yoga, <clears throat> there are five do's and five don'ts. In Sanskrit, they are called yamas and niyamas. So you might have heard about the eight steps of yoga. That's a classic Patanjali yoga. <clears throat> so that's how yoga begins. Uh, yesterday I got many questions. What is yoga? Some people said, so it's not exercise with the body? It's not, you know, you put your foot behind your ear? And so, yeah, no more. There's more. You can work in the office and that will be also yoga if you work on your motives. <clears throat> if you change your motives. It can even be bhakti yoga. If you work in the office or wherever in, at your job, if you uh, look into your heart and readjust, reprioritize your motives, it becomes uh, either karma yoga or even bhakti yoga. You see, Krishna has chosen Arjuna on the battlefield. <clears throat> Sometimes we complain. We say, oh, my, yeah, maybe you can do, but not in my job. I have a very tough job. But nobody can say they that nobody can say they have a worse job than Arjuna. Arjuna had to fight in a battlefield. He was a king. He had to, and and he was his kingdom was taken away. And he even said, "I don't want to fight." And Krishna said, "No, you must fight, but do it as yoga." First, he told him to do this as karma mishra, bhakti as karma yoga, yoga of action. And then he told him to do this as uh, pure bhakti. And on the battlefield, he had to fight. He had to use all kinds of weapons. <clears throat> and Krishna was his charioteer. I don't think anybody has such a bad job. Even, even if somebody is a soldier or a warrior, <clears throat> you don't have to kill so many people as Arjuna had to. Had to you know? he, had, uh, he had seven divisions, the other army had eleven. So, Arjuna has been chosen. <clears throat> so, um, yoga begins, classic yoga, Yoga Sutra is the classic text of yoga, <clears throat> and you can see echoes of Yoga Sutra, or maybe vice versa, in the Bhagavad Gita, in chapter 6. We have these same six rules, uh, uh, in chapter 6, we have the same five rules 
um, positive and negative. So first come the negative rules. <clears throat> they were quite famous. One of, uh, one of them is ahimsa, uh, non-violence, the, the classic translation. I, I think uh, you have, you had, I was told you have this as a topic of the month, ahimsa, from the Gita, right? So non-violence, but non-violence probably is somewhat um, misleading term sometimes. It means not, not hurting others. So not, not, we don't eat meat, for example, <clears throat> which, by the way, you will never regret if you taste our cuisine. There's so many, so many wonderful vegetarian dishes that you forget about anything else. <clears throat> but also it, um, con it's, it's connected to uh, interaction with other people. <clears throat> so non-violence. This is the first rule. The second rule is truthfulness, not lying, satya. And <clears throat> we, we see the, we can, we can say the founder father of the modern India, Mahatma Gandhi. He developed this into a big philosophy, yeah? Satyagraha. <clears throat> he, he, he tried to, he, he, truthfulness, he brought so many more things out of it than just not lying. Then we have asteya, not stealing. We shouldn't even steal. I had once a public talk and then one person said, what if I am a thief by profession? I said, it's forbidden. He said, no, it's my nature. <laughs> I bring donations. I steal, but I bring big donations. And I had, a, you know, for a few minutes, I had to argue with the person, it's not good. <laughs> he, said, but, he said, but I don't know how to do anything else. <clears throat> anyway, we were discussing this. Yoga says, don't steal. Of course, we have this funny conversation with Srila Prabhupada, who <clears throat> extends this not stealing to the maximum extent, he's talking to one industrialist in Mayapur. So he says, so what's your business? So he says, I'm, I'm making glass. So where, where do you take the ingredients? So he says, well, I'm taking, uh, it's, it's sand, Swamiji. I'm taking sand. Okay, so where are you getting uh, this sand? Well, it's on the, on the river banks. I take it, take it from the river banks. There is a lot of sand. And where does that sand come from? Oh, yes, yeah, it's come, it comes from God. It's coming from God. So he says, oh, so you're stealing from God. <laughs> he says, Swamiji, but I'm giving donations <laughs> to the temple. Prabhupada <clears throat> was very <clears throat> strong and bold. <clears throat> and uh, nobody ever felt, we, we shouldn't imitate, nobody ever felt insulted by, by Srila Prabhupada. But he, and that person sort of tried to invoke the same clause. You know, everybody's stealing, you know, who is not stealing? Everybody's stealing. <clears throat> but Yoga says, no, it's best not to steal. And we will see there is some special result coming from it. <clears throat> Very good result. I think a result that you must have experienced by not stealing. Then <clears throat> chastity sometimes translated as uh, celibacy, brahmacharya, although I've looked up uh, the word chastity and it says avoiding unlawful sexual connections. So that's almost like our regulative principle. <clears throat> unlawful sexual connections, yeah? chastity. So especially in our bhakti movement, uh, bhakti yoga, um, it doesn't mean total Celibacy it just means that uh, it's uh, um, sanctified by the uh, holy matrimony. Do we still use that word nowadays? Matrimony? Yeah. Marriage. In, in the in sacred marriage. Instead of sacred marriage. Yeah. <clears throat> so that also comes under the uh, definition of chastity or brahmacharya. <clears throat> then not over-collecting aparigraha not over-collecting. Some yogis take it in a wrong way, aparigraha. <clears throat> not taking any uh, gifts, not taking any gifts. So sometimes also we see some, devo some devotees were yogis in their past lives, and we see that some devotees are reluctant to take any gifts whatsoever. They will not take any gifts. Have you seen this sometimes? Sometimes some devotees sort of struggle with this. <clears throat> accepting gifts. But especially in bhakti, it's one of the six loving exchanges between devotees. We need to 
uh, learn to accept gifts <coughs> properly, lovingly. It's one of the six loving exchanges. And um, yeah, so these are five don'ts, niyamas. This, this is the beginning of yoga. Then we have five do's. So for first five don'ts, then five do's. Anyway, who remembers one of the do's? Okay, let's first maybe go back and who remembers some of the don'ts? You remember? Huh? Don't steal. Don't steal. You're very good, yes. Don't lie. Don't lie. Very good. Nonviolence, truthfulness. Chastity. Chastity. Not over collecting. Yeah, we got all five. You're good yogis. Now the five positive rules. Anybody knows any of the five positive rules? Cleanliness, yeah, you can photo-read, right? You can just glance once and you're... <laughs> uh, satis yes, thank you. That's the second rule. That's the second rule of yoga. You must be satisfied. It's not optional, okay? It's not optional. <laughs> huh? Study, yes. Study Shastra. Thank you. Yes, study. Something else? There's one I'm sure... You will not mention. Huh? Huh? Uh, Ishwara Pranidhana is there. It's very interesting. Um, Patanjali mentions Ishwara Pranidhana several times. Surrender to God. And no matter how some modern yogis try to twist it, he's very clear. That's one of the rules. In fact, he mentions two times that if you just surrender to God, uh, you get samadhi. So the whole... Uh, process becomes uh, re unnecessary. You, you achieve the goal just by surrendering to God completely. And, and uh, those who are honest yogis, they know, they call it um, one-step sadhana. You surrender, finished. Unselfish. unselfish. Unselfishness. Okay, we can probably call it unselfishness. So yes, this is <clears throat> uh, austerity. Or self-discipline or tapa. Tapa, austerity. Nowadays, people oftentimes don't even quite... Um, we don't use this word very much, except when government accepts austerity measures. Yeah? <laughs> we think the government should be austere, not us. <laughs> then the government puts austerity on us. And then, also, then we don't see this. Is it, how is it, you know, is it something I do, they do? What is it, austerity? <clears throat> so, Patanjali says that these last three make uh, <clears throat> for... Um, they call it um, a, 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 a separate yoga. The last three are uh, grouped together. Tapa, Kriya Yoga. Ishwara Pranidhana and Swadhyaya are grouped into Kriya Yoga, which made, was made popular by um, um, Yogananda, who came to America, made friends with Mr. Burbank. I was... I read that one-fourth of all potatoes we eat are created by Mr. Burbank. And a lot of pears are created by Burbank, and he was a very interesting guy because he associated with Yogananda. <clears throat> he, he experimented. For example, he created one spikeless cactus. Cactus without thorns. How? He was talking to it. He said, dear cactus, I'm here for you. You need no spikes. I will protect you. I will never leave you. I will provide full security to you. You need no spikes whatsoever, no thorns. And the cactus grew without thorns. And it's still there. I mean, still the species is there. Spikeless cactus. Because Berben was talking to the cactus and it convinced the cactus it doesn't need any thorns. <clears throat> I guess it will happen also with people, you know, if you talk to people and act. <laughs> if, you, if you are there for them, for the people, <laughs> they, will, they will also, they might also, you know, give up some of the thorns they have. <clears throat> so, um, he made this term of Kriya Yoga popular, but this, these are the last three. <clears throat> so, cleanliness, satisfaction, austerity, or self-discipline, Study, usually it means study of uh, Shastra or uh, sacred texts or philosophical texts or texts about self-perfection, spiritual perfection. That's Svadhyaya. And Ishwara Pranidhana, surrender to Ishwara. And also you can see, uh, he very clearly says, Ishwara Purusha Vishesha. Who is Ishwara? Ishwara, 
the Lord, Supreme Lord, he says, is a, uh, is, is a very special person. He's a person. He's a special person. Karma, klesha, aparimrishta. Never touched by karma. <clears throat> That's what we would like to be. Never touched by karma. Meaning you park in the wrong place and you never get the ticket. No karma. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice? <laughs> Especially, in, I, I, I was told in, war, in D.C., yeah? parking is a big <laughs> concern. <clears throat> so no karma. So Krishna is, no, has no karma. We could argue. Anyway, that's a separate. We will not go there. Okay. So <laughs> sometimes we think, if Krishna has no karma, if I drive his car, maybe I can you know, bend a little bit some rules here and there, and maybe... Sometimes it works. But, sometimes, but we should not forget, we are not Krishna. <laughs> His, um, Patanjali in the Yoga Sutra says that he's special. He's different from everybody. <clears throat> Sarva Gyatva Atishar, his omniscience is unequaled. Even the perfect yogi will never know everything as much as Krishna. You may know everything in this. If you become perfect, you may know everything within the universe. But not everything, everything. You don't know something about the other universe. Or what do they say? Multiverse. They use multiverse, you know, the, or the spiritual world. But Krishna knows everything, everything, everything about everything, everywhere. So he's also Patanjali says <clears throat> that um, he's the teacher of all teachers for all times. So all teachers learn from the, the supreme Lord. So he says, therefore, Ishvara Pranidana, surrender to him, surrender to him, and if you do. You, you are perfect. Perfect now, completely. <clears throat> he also says, Tadvachaka Pranava, his name is Om. Om is his name. Tadjapa Tadarta Bhavana. Chant this name, meditating on him. Do Japa of Om, of the name of God, meditating on God. Then all the obstacles will be removed. But also these Yamas, Niyamas remove obstacles. So one of them is satisfaction. It's a very <clears throat> special rule. So, uh, Patanjali uh, gives um, results for each of these uh, five do's and five don'ts for, e for each of these rules. So, <clears throat> if the uh, font size is small, it's good, maybe uh, you will listen attentively <laughs> to me reading them. So, <clears throat> he says, if you perfectly follow ahimsa or nonviolence, then you will spread peace around you. So, where you are, uh, the tigers won't eat the deer, for example. Yeah? So there will be no fear around you, no violence around you. <clears throat> then, if you, if you f uh, never lie, then everything you say becomes true. Then your blessings and curses be also become true, if you never lie. Yeah? <clears throat> of course, we know Srila Prabhupada said, said, if for 12 years you come to every Mangalarati, all you say will be true. All right. Some devotees do that. Then, uh, <clears throat> yeah, not stealing is very interesting. Patanjali says if you do not steal, then gems or jewels come to you on their own. And the commentators are divided on what does this mean. Some say it's literally so. You just find jewels. You walk on the, on the, on the street... And uh, on, 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 the, uh, on the ground, you find jewels, you find money. Who, to whom has it ever happened? That you found, yeah, so? <laughs> no jewels. No, still time for that. <laughs> and nowadays, money is more practical. You know, jewels, you have to find a, a proper jeweler to sell it to, to give you the correct price. But <clears throat> Last year we had a very special experience. Our our council met in Milan, northern Italy, and then in last, in the, on the last day we went for a for a for <clears throat> for an outing. We saw the Last Supper of Leonardo da Vinci, and then you know uh, we had the idea. We were about twelve people there, I think. We had the idea. Our Druta Karma was there. Radhika Raman, some of you may know, <clears throat> was there. And then you know we are in Italy, so we thought maybe we should. You know, eat some gelato, some Italian ice cream. We had a local devotee who knows the proper 
vegetarian, good, acceptable, offerable, nice gelato ice cream. <clears throat> but some of us were thinking, nah, this is too uh, self-indulgent. It's too self-indulgent. No, just, you know, what is this? You go and eat gelato. It's too, it's not austere. And then, what do you think? We are walking down the alley in the park, just next to the gelateria, the ice cream, they say parlor. I don't, doesn't sound right, our ice cream parlor. Why do you, why it should be, anyway, parlor. Anyway, you speak there, right? Ice cream, you scream, police come, very embarrassing. <laughs> that was a sign on the road we see recently. <laughs> so parlor, ice cream parlor. And then, and there are some, there were some, um, it's Italy, so you, you have some immigrants from Libya playing some instruments on, on the lawn, and you had some people hanging out, some people dancing, some people working out. Very, it was, I think, Sunday, so many people. And then, right in the middle of the, of the alley, I, I see there is a folded 50 euro note. I say, look, this is money. He picks it up and folds it, it's 50 euros. He looks around. Everybody looks away. Yeah. And then uh, some of the people say, uh, have a good day, have a good day. So we go to our chairwoman and say, <clears throat> see, look, we found 50 euros. We should go to the gel gelateria. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? We went there and uh, everybody ordered what flavors they wanted and how many they wanted, two, three scoops. And it was exactly 49 euros. Exactly 49 euros. I, I, I don't know. I stand by the, by the version that it's Krishna Street. You know? <laughs> Druta Karma said, I was thinking maybe I should uh, you know, treat everybody. But you know, we just walked down the, the alley and boom, there's 50 euro line right in front of the gelateria. <laughs> so I say this is the result. <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe it's just Krishna's undeserved mercy. Mercy is ever always undeserved. So, <clears throat> the, some other commentators. We have a very good uh, translation of Yoga Sutra by uh, Dr. Edwin Bryant, Advaita Das. I don't know exactly where he lives in America, but he's Professor Dr. Bryant, Edwin Bryant. <clears throat> so he, he translates all the commentaries. One of the commentators says that uh, uh, jewels come, you get the gem associ association of gem-like people, jewel-like people. So that's a, another version. At least you get the uh, jewel-like people around you. Yeah, so that's another uh, version of that <clears throat> result. Uh, brahmacharya, if you are chaste, the result is vigor or energy. You don't waste energy chasing around for a partner. Also mental energy <clears throat> is not dissipated. Aparigraha. This is one of the most uh, intriguing to me. Others are intuitively uh, sort of clear why. But this one is very interesting. If you do not overcollect, the result is that you will know your own past and future lives and past and future lives of other people. So that's lives of other people. It's very interesting. How is it connected? <clears throat> Anyway, if I don't know my past life, probably it means I overcollect somewhere. Hare Krishna. <laughs> then uh, Santosha. So here we are coming to that secret of India. Why are they happy? So Patanjali says, if you learn satisfaction, this uh, practice of satisfaction, the result is you will experience genuine happiness. Genuine happiness, true happiness. If you learn the secret of satisfaction. By cleanliness, you will develop shaucha cleanliness. You will develop detachment. By tapa, austerity, self-discipline, you will develop sharp senses. Like for example, if you fast for a whole day, you smell that samosas are cooking from half a kilometer away. <laughs> <laughs> One example, Swadhyaya, studying, studying the sacred texts or texts on yoga or self-development, 
brings you closer to your Ishtadev, your God, your worshipable Lord, the absolute truth, which is interesting, very, very uh, inspiring. So if you feel you're far from God or far from your Ishtadev, far from <clears throat> your worshipable Lord, then grab a book. <laughs> According to Patanjali, that will bring us closer. And by Ishwara Pranidhan, if we surrender, we become perfect, we get Samadhi now, immediately. So Santosha is one of the basic rules of yoga. And it's, uh, it is a decision we make. We see in, uh, I think it was 98 in America, was the Giving Pledge Club founded by Bill Gates and uh, Warren Buffett, 98 or 96. Uh, where they pledged that they will give away at least 50% uh, of all their wealth. Now there is 96 people with a total uh, wealth of about $1 trillion, which would make them already like um, the 14th or 12th biggest economy of the world, or just by this amount. <clears throat> and putting them in, in top 15. So they pledge that they will give away at least half, which is also very interesting, because I think in every other book it says 10%, we tithe, we give a tenth. It's Prabhupada who says you give 50. So I, I, I hope maybe they read some, some of Prabhupada, Prabhupada's books, because he says 50%, right? And we see that they, take, uh, they commit to take salary of only $1 per year, a lot of them, it's their conscious decision, one dollar per year only. <clears throat> of course, they have stock options and whatever, some other sources, but they know that if I'm not satisfied, as Ramana Dev says, if I'm not satisfied with three steps, the whole world will not satisfy me. If I don't know the principle of satisfaction, nothing will ever, I will go mad. I will, greed will, as also uh, the Bhagavatam says, you can satisfy an angry person by letting them shout and scream. You can satisfy a hungry person by letting them eat, but you cannot satisfy a greedy person. You cannot satisfy a greedy person. Unless, so satisfaction is what we do from inside. <clears throat> How? This word itself holds the secret. In most languages, satisfaction comes from Latin, word sat, and the Latin word sat means enough. And, and in so many languages, like in German, fegnügen, genug, enough. In uh, Slavic languages, udavlitvarenia, zadovolenia, zadovolstvo, whichever, dovolna uh, means enough. In so many languages, you see, it, this uh, root, this secret is in the word of satisfaction already present. So basically the secret is I need to be able to say it's enough. Whatever is there is, is, is enough, is good. And then we can be happy. And then all the obstacles are removed and we can surrender to Krishna. And then we can attain samadhi, trance, <clears throat> full absorption. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So satisfaction is our decision. <clears throat> it's, again, it's the rule, okay? Don't forget it. Make no mistake. It's the rule. It's the second rule of yoga. Not that you like or not. You must. <laughs> Be satisfied. <clears throat> and uh, this is something we do from inside. <clears throat> and this moves us uh, forward. Any comments or questions here? Any points on this topic? Yes. End. End of desires. End of desires. <clears throat> Probably is satisfaction end of desires. We, we can say it's uh, being able to manage our desires, being able to control our desires. So this, uh, this, we, do not, we are not trying to kill desires. Prabhupada says <clears throat> that desiring is a sign of life, thinking desiring is a sign of life. Soul has desires also. Spirit also has desires. Um, it's just, uh, the example is given that 
milk coming in touch with tamarind becomes yogurt, becomes sour. So in the same way, our pure love, loving desires of, of spirit in the material world, they turn into material lust, into material desires. So <clears throat> we need to do the alchemical process of turning yogurt back into milk. So yog turning yogurt into milk is not possible, but turning our material desires back into spiritual is possible by bhakti yoga. So we can say maybe more properly, it's, a, it's the purification of our desires. It's the purification of our desires. Maybe gradual purification of our desires. Okay? Not the end of Yes, Scale for satisfaction, one to ten. Well, I think we should add negative there also. You know, <laughs> minus from minus hundred <laughs> to <laughs> to plus ten. <clears throat> it's an interesting. Yeah, if you measure if you measure things, it helps. Uh, it's an interesting idea. Yes, you could probably add this as a tool. You could measure your dissatisfaction or satisfaction. I think we should, we should add the negative from minus 10 to plus to plus uh, 10. Minus 10 would be when we are just ready to go grab a shotgun and just scream and run and it will be minus 10, yes. And uh, plus 10 is uh, even if they come and kick us, they will smile and say, did, you didn't hurt yourself, did you? <laughs> As Krishna did to Brigo, yeah, <laughs> Canto 10. And it helps us probably then to see, even if we move one point, that's progress. Thank you. Uh, somebody? Um, yes. Hi. Uh, <laughs> Would you say that greed is the opposite of satisfaction? Yeah. Greed as the opposite of satisfaction. It probably add some other desires. Greed, just desires in general, and then when they are frustrated, they turn into anger. But greed, yes, uh, you can say that's the <clears throat> um, pursuit that never is never satisfied. Pursuit that's never satisfied. That is greed. Desires that can never be satisfied. That's greed. Yeah. We are told that uh, we can't be greedy for Krishna. This is okay. <clears throat> But uh, we should be careful about it also to keep it keep it how to say pure. And <clears throat> in the sixth chapter of the Gita, Arjuna is asking a question. Krishna tells Arjuna, Arjuna, you must control your mind. And Arjuna says, Oh, Krishna, it's impossible. It's so difficult. So, so Krishna replies. Uh, oh, Arjuna, definitely mind is very difficult to control. But, but you can control your mind by practice, which also means repetition of positive actions. <clears throat> so we are regular. Like we come to a good association regularly, at least every holy. <laughs> <laughs> Festival of Colors. <laughs> Better more often, <laughs> more regularly. <clears throat> and detachment. You can control. You can control your mind. In a, in a good way. It means direct. And that also um, applies to the speed of our progress. Sometimes we become too greedy to progress too quickly. That's also what we take. Another actually. Somebody here? Yes? Excellent talk. Uh, I just have one question. When we say happiness, are we talking about mind is happy, you are happy, or what's soul. the true definition? So it is soul. <clears throat> so how do we know what soul wants? Does it communicate through mind? Thank you. That's a subtle question about the subtle body. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. We see that uh, frequently people are <clears throat> not clear. Oftentimes we uh, see the whole schools of thought are not clear. What is the soul? 
because oftentimes we confuse the soul with the mind. But the mind is a material element, <clears throat> which can never be satisfied. So fortunately, <clears throat> we know the nature of the soul, of, of spirit. And th this is why, by the way, you can see Srila Prabhupada always says spirit soul, the spirit soul, which frequently in many languages it sounds very uh, redundant, tautological, you know, like uh, buttery butter. We had an editor in the BBD saying, why do you have to say spirit soul? It's you know, spir a spiritual spirit. You know, it sounds weird. But you can see that there are whole schools of thought who say, no, the soul is, uh, the soul is um, something material, the soul dies, but spirit is eternal. So that's why Prabhupada makes it very precise. Spirit soul. So this is spiritual soul. <clears throat> so we know, fortunately, what the spiritual soul, what the spirit soul wants, because spirit soul, all spirit souls are particles of Krishna. Jivara, Swarupoya, Krishna Ranitadas. We are all eternally uh, particles of the Lord, and we are connected with Him with through loving service. That's why bhakti is so powerful. Through bhakti, we reconnect. No other yoga offers connection so quickly as bhakti, because it immediately goes to the core, to the essence of our being, loving connection, loving connection. As soon as we, even for a second, offer ourselves to Krishna, offer something to Krishna, very quickly we feel something, uh, some connection, some response. But also in the <clears throat> third canto, Kapiladev, of the Srimad Bhagavatam, says, a nice verse. He says, Jarayat yashu yakosha analoyata. You will like this verse. He says, Just like fire of digestion quickly digests food, at least for those who are under, under 40, <laughs> or, or who have uh, healthy livers. <clears throat> I think Indians get a special edition of a human body. I think Indian livers are especially resilient to, to fried food, no? I think Indians can eat all the super fried food and be unafflicted. It's astounding. It's really astounding. <laughs> we can only be envious. Uh, so, just like fire of, of digestion digests food, so bhakti yoga, or loving service to God, quickly digests the subtle body. So the subtle body is what keeps us here, the mind, with material desires. But when we <clears throat> try to offer service, loving service to God, it, uh, this action uh, digests the subtle body. So Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, one of the famous teachers, gives a nice comment there. He says, just like digestion does not just burn the food, it extracts whatever is a useful nutrient and uh, metabolizes. So in the same way, bhakti doesn't just kill the subtle body or the mind, like sometimes in yoga we, people try to just stop the mind, just stop the thoughts. <clears throat> what, if there is something that's favorable, that can uh, be connected to the Lord, then it purifies that, those desires and those thoughts, and uh, it becomes recovered as part of the spiritual uh, existence. So we can already experience some first reflection of true uh, desires and emotions in bhakti yoga, and then actually the uh, spiritual taste. So that will remain. It may be c coming through the mind initially, through the subtle body, but then it will, be, it will be spiritual happiness. So through satisfaction, we start with satisfaction of the mind, <clears throat> satisfaction of... Uh, the soul, and then we develop spiritual taste and spir spiritual desires. So bhakti is the cultivation of spiritual spiritual taste. Srila Prabhupada says yoga doesn't mean minus. Yoga means plus Krishna. It, it's a play of words because in Hindi uh, and Bengali Indian languages, arithmetic uh, sum is yoga. Right. So he says, it's not minus maya, it's plus Krishna. Yoga means plus Krishna. <laughs> it's a play <coughs> words. Okay, it's uh, five seconds to two. But there is a very... Well, <clears throat> I, I ask people if you want to sit for five more minutes and, and do one or two more questions. 
if you feel free to quietly you know leave if you need to because it is two o'clock and we usually finish but do you all want to have a few more questions i do because i have a question <laughs> <laughs> but our guest also has some it okay seems, uh, <clears throat> would you like to go first okay <laughs> we have two mics <laughs> they are okay, I have well a question about, um, uh, this idea that we're not enough mm. or we don't have enough uh, but particularly towards ourselves, either messages we, we glean from others that we're not enough or we tell ourselves we're not enough, or we, we haven't done enough, or especially on a spiritual path, there seems to be this big you know, yes. drive for perfection. So how does this idea of satisfaction help us balance out the tendency to feel I'm not enough? <clears throat> Yeah, on a spiritual path, frequently in every yoga, we are encouraged to feel never satisfied with our level. Chanakya Pandit says this, I think. Yeah, he says you should always be satisfied with the food in front of you, with your lawfully obtained money, and with your spouse. These three things you should be always satisfied with, and you should never be satisfied with three things: charity you give, spiritual practice you perform. Mm. How much japa you chant, and how much mantra you chant, and uh, your study, how much you have studied. This you should never be satisfied with. So that's like uh, common sense um, <clears throat> maxim from Chanakya Pandit. But uh, even in spiritual life, we can be uh, unsatis dissatisfied in an uh, unhealthy or disturbing way. We can be uh, depressed in spiritual life. And by the way, I think it's the topic of our evening talks, right, for the next week. Suffering in spiritual life, Hare Krishna. Something you're never mentioning on Sunday talk, you know, suffering in spiritual life, an aberration or a state. <gasps> anyway, that's in the evenings. We shouldn't live stream that, I think. It's <laughs> uh, so this we um, are supposed to learn through the technique of offering. Srila Prabhupada says, a devotee is, therefore, is equipoised in failure and in success. So in success, sort of, it feels good. Yeah, I can be satisfied and equipoised in success. How, do, how can I be equipoised in failure? For Krishna, I'm supposed, I want to uh, organize a nice festival for Krishna. I want to do the best. I want to distribute you know, 10,000 books, books for Krishna. So if I fail, I fail in my service to Krishna. That's a spiritual failure. How can I be satisfied? I can't. I should be dissatisfied, shouldn't I? But Prabhupada says, no, a devotee is always satisfied. A devotee is always, so how? How is it possible? It only is possible because in bhakti, yoga, Before you, like in karma yoga, first you have to, in the yoga of action, first you have to produce a beautiful result, perfect result, and then you offer in karma yoga. But in bhakti yoga, first you offer, and then you act. You have offered the result before you start. And you know you are not the controller. What is in your control, you offer. You offer all the effort, you offer the... Uh, intention, you offer the result, it's already offered. So therefore, even if it fails, it's no problem because it's offered. It's already Krishna's. So then Krishna can decide whether he makes it, a, like Prabhupada, when he comes here into, into the USA, he says, can make me a success or make me a failure, whatever is your desire, I will accept, just make me dance. So he has offered this before. So that's the secret, we offer it before. And, and then we accept whatever uh, Krishna decides whether he gives us the external success or he just accepts the, uh, the intention and uh, externally it looks like a failure. No problem. We have offered. That's the perfection. Hare Krishna. That's what I would say. Sorry. Um, yes. Uh, the subtle self that you were talking about previously, um, would you compare that to your subconscious? Yes, there is subconscious. <clears throat> would you say that God speaks to us through our subconscious, or would you say that our subconscious is more attached to our body? Or is it more 
as far as controlling our happiness and controlling how mm. things yeah. mm. happen. You know, that was the problem that uh, uh, Ludwig, um, Ludwig Wittgenstein brought up in the last century. He said, guys, we, first, before we talk, we have to decide what do we mean by our words. We can't talk about anything because all our words mean different things to different people. So <clears throat> that's why at the end of every book we have the glossary. You know, <laughs> what do we mean by by terms? So when we say subconscious, <clears throat> what do we mean by that? So different people can mean different things. Sometimes I think Carl Jung, who came up with this idea of he didn't like this word subconscious. He preferred unconscious. I think also Srila Prabhupada didn't like some of this. Although he gave Carl Jung top marks in his discussions. <clears throat> so he often connected this to God. He was uh, seeing collective unconscious as one manifestation of God. And we can say that yes, it's, a, it's the universal form, Viratrupa, described in the Gita, of, of God. It's, a, it's the universal form which sort of pervades everything, and we are all connected, we are all part of it. Uh, but um, in yoga we try to um, operate with clarity. So therefore we speak about the mind, which is the machine for accepting, rejecting, and it has some secret parts, which, that by the way, was the, this is one thing that, it's been a big uh, positive contribution of Dr. Sigmund Freud, which one of the famous American psychologists calls, uh, whom he calls sick man fraud. <laughs> he calls him sick man fraud. But that's a little too hard. It's a, he's an American. He's not a devotee. Yes, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Uh, but uh, it's a little harsh on, on Sigmund Freud because one contribution, of course, it was very, very uh, primitive to try to reduce everything just to uh, sexual desire. All his disciples rejected this idea. <clears throat> maybe for the 19th century Austrian Austria, maybe that was the case in majority of people, but not truly. Adler. Said, declared will uh, to power the most important drive and so forth. Anyway, so uh, his contribution is that he has shown that there are parts of our mind that we don't know. I think I'm a good person and all of a sudden there are some things coming up from inside. So um, there are some, um, some of the things that need to be brought, uh, that need to, things that need to be brought into light, whether you call it unconscious or subconscious, but they are material. This is just the baggage we carry from childhood, from past lives, there's a lot of these things. Suddenly they come up, they are triggered and they come up. They are material <clears throat> and we just purify them, make them conscious and, and purify them. But also, yes, when the Lord has to talk to us, he will talk through, uh, through our consciousness, through, from our heart. And Srila Prabhupada says, uh, a devotee is in a very good position because he is inspired by God from the heart and then uh, these things are confirmed by his teacher from outside. So from inside, Chaitya Guru, the super soul in everybody's heart. From outside, Guru Sadhu Shastra. We have, we have teachers, we have uh, other practitioners, and we have uh, the texts which describe what's uh, happening. So we, we have the system of checks and balances. That we are not carried away just by fantasies. We also verify it with other practitioners, with the texts, with experienced teachers, and then we are safe. <coughs> Thank you. Prabhu? Yes. Uh, one quick question. This is one real, real quick question. Yes, Prabhu. Prabhu, why humans don't have satisfaction uh, full stop, like a period? It's just uh, like a milestones, you know, or like a thirsty, keep moving, you know. Why? You, you, you mean why 
our satisfaction is transit, done. transitory. Done. Okay, one satisfaction, done, period, period, and full stop for human life. No, why? We, we just move, satisfied. Oh, this is not enough. Next satisfaction. Next, mm-hmm. next. No, why? It's so moving. Yeah, you keep yeah. moving, milestones. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> the metaphor is, the comparison is given that we are fish out of water. We are fish out of water. We sometimes have skits that you can, if you take a fish out of water, then, or recently in Florida, just a couple of weeks ago, I've seen a hawk, uh, you know, he would, uh, over a lake in Tampa, he would just stop for a moment and from 20 meters he would dive into the water and come up with a fish. And strangely enough, he would not go to the shore, he would go across. And the fish was heavy, he was flying very low, and then the fish would drop. And uh, I think it was very stressful for both of them. You know? <laughs> Two times he did it. I don't know. But if the fish is taken out of water, no matter what you give the fish, you can give some food, it's not satisfied. So we are fish out of water. Spiritual beings, as spiritual beings, no matter what we get, it doesn't satisfy this spirit because we are spirit. So material satisfaction can give us pleasure. It's not real satisfaction. It can give us pleasure for some time. But being spiritual, we need spiritual food. Prabhupada says, our hunger is for, for spirit, not for material things. Until we engage in spiritual activity, we will be hungry. We will remain hungry. Plus, being spirit, we are dynamic. It has to grow. It, it cannot be uh, static. Spirit, spirit is, is alive, and therefore it's not static. Therefore, there has to be some change, some pastime, some lila development. So that's, again, that's possible only in this pastime with Krishna. That's why even from the light of Brahma Jyoti, the effulgence, impersonal effulgence, you can see, uh, even, even uh, the Yoga Sutra commentaries are saying that after uh, millions of years, the yogis come out they, it's too static. There has to be some dynamic uh, exchange of tastes, rasa, with, with Krishna. So that's the only satisfying position. Because we are spirit. And even if you have material satisfaction, it's, it, it's, it sort of misses the point, misses the point, misses the mark. Okay? One last... Oh, oh this one. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the uh, divine grace. Um, I just had a question on the uh, response that you uh, gave for the previous question. Can, uh, can somebody practice bhakti yoga uh, without being completely detached from the uh, material world. Um, I'm, I'm more thinking um, in the context of uh, brahmacharya, the, one of the don'ts that you mentioned. If there are like two individuals, like one is unmarried and the other one is like married, <clears throat> like does the unmarried person should not enter into the matrimony? And uh, the married person should come out of the matrimony no, in order to pursue no, 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 uh, the no, bhakti yoga. No, no, definitely. Uh, the most natural and healthy position is to be in the uh, proper marriage for majority of people, maybe 90-something percent. In fact, it's a big misconception uh, coming from the path of jnana yoga. For the last few thousand years, when we hear spiritual, we think of a monk who is unmarried, or you know, none who is unmarried, that's what we immediately associate with spiritual development. But you, you can see Krishna already 5,000 years ago, he said, yoga nashta, people don't understand what's yoga. He says, Arjuna, you fight. He didn't tell, Arjuna said, can I go to the forest? He said, nope, <laughs> you fight. <laughs> so same with, with uh, marriage. <clears throat> so we uh, engage everything uh, in uh, service. And everything is Krishna's energy in this world. Uh, this whole world is Krishna's energy. We just have to engage it properly in Krishna's service and see it as Krishna's energy. So even in uh, other yogas, marriage is not condemned, definitely. And in bhakti yoga, definitely it's, it's even recommended. 
I mean, in, in Ukraine, there was a period, we did have, as a, as a society, we did have a period of aggressive, how, how shall we call it, uh, celibates, <laughs> uh, pr promotion of celibacy. And so therefore, in the 90s, in Ukraine, everybody was sort of, uh, very frequently, brahmacharis, those who were celibate, but not sannyasis, brahmacharis, they were not, uh, they had never committed to stay like that for life. They were told by their gurus, by their seniors, you get married. Yeah? Even even my uh, regional secretary, he came to me, Ali Prush, you, 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 what do you think about getting married? I said, but I should have prayer, Prabhu, but you, you already blessed me that I don't have to. Yeah, okay. You can. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Adi Prushpuru.